Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A dram of whiskey is one of life's little pleasures, but have you ever wondered how many units of alcohol are actually in your glass? Well, one measure of scotch contains one unit of alcohol. Hollywood Sources is proud to be brought to you by the Scotch Whiskey Association's Made to Be Measured campaign to help us all understand how much alcohol we're really drinking. Find out more at scotch-whiskey.org.uk forward slash made to be measured. The podcast starts now. It's my job to make sure the party reflects that we reorganise, we regroup, make sure we have a really crisp and well understood message to take to the voters. Because I can't get away from the fact that our voters did not come out. A very low turnout, of course, right across the board, but our voters did not come out. So I've got to make sure I'm inspiring them, inspiring the public to come out. But there's no doubt, I think any objective uh, media commentator would say that there are very, very difficult contextual factors in this violation for the SNP. Hello and welcome to Hollywood Sources. We're recording on Friday, the 6th of October. I'm Kyla McDonald. I think this might be the first time we've got together on a Friday evening. I feel like we should have a drinking game or something planned, but we don't. Instead, it's just by-election uh, post-match analysis. Uh, here to guide us through, of course, are Jeff Aberdeen, who was Chief of Staff to Alex Salmond when he was First Minister. Hello, Jeff. Good evening. And also here, Andy McKeever, who was Director of Communications for the Scottish Conservatives. Hello, Andy. Hello, no drinking Hello. games, by the way, no drink. Let me tell you, let why, me tell why is that? you. Why not? Well, uh, let me tell you, la- last night we had the first time Hollywood sources have been asked to go and do a Chatham House roundtable. So Jeff and I, <laughs> in the flesh, were in Glasgow doing a wee uh, roundtable. It's kind of like a late night ex-certificate version of Hollywood sources. Um, <laughs> definitely not, definitely no microphones which was good. Microphones mm-hmm. replaced with bottles of wine, actually, which uh, definitely right. made things pretty fruity. Um, and I, I even got a couple of sips of wine off the bottles that Jeff left over for me, actually, which I thought was quite good of him. But, um, you know, I must I have to say, 
I'm looking at Jeff right now in his usual backdrop. You know, I see the whiskey, I see the Fergie autobiography. That means he's made it home, and that is to me a bit of a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Well, look. In, in my defence, and it was, and, and I know that our um, guests, our hosts last night, I should say, were saying that they're all avid listeners, and those that aren't are going to be tonight. So I'd like to just apologise um, for any shall we say, fruity, as you put it, language. Um, and in my defence, it is the first time I've been out since the birth of my son. <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm honestly not sure how I got home. And uh, and I don't remember the last hour or so of the event. So um, if I did say anything untoward, I do apologise. But thank you very much for your hospitality. It was a wonderful meal. The wine was particularly... <laughs> Uh, enjoyable and um, yeah I really hope that you <laughs> seek us out to, again for uh, future work I don't think I did much uh, much uh, um, positive impact on our ability to get a new sponsor last night let's put it that way <laughs> do you know what though I'll tell you what though we did we got we got we got a, we got a free meal out of it and that's more than Callum's ever given us so well that's you know, true yeah, things, are, in, things are looking in, up here in, in my defence that's more than Callum's ever given Callum as well for, for all of this <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm really pleased about is that these are the ambassadors for the podcast that I, you know that I'd always dreamed of uh, that could come to an event near you if you would like Jeff and Andy to take the double act on the road and um, and drink your free wine then you know give us a shout it's fine they're they're available apparently it would seem <laughs> so that's good uh, right well with all of that in mind let's turn to the by-election shall we uh, <laughs> and see what we make of all of this uh, right let me start with these comments shall I from Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer who says Labour blew the doors off to take the Rutherglen and Hamilton West seat back from the SNP. Uh, the new MP for Labour is Michael Shanks. He won the by-election with 17,845 votes. That is more than double the number of votes that the SNP's Katie Loudon uh, got. There was a swing of 20.4% from the SNP to Labour in this by-election, which of course cropped up after former SNP MP Margaret Ferrier got binned off, basically, by her constituents for breaking COVID rules. Uh, right, Jeff, you first of all, your reaction to this? Um, I mean, it is a resounding victory for the Labour Party. Yeah, it is. And, you know, in fairness uh, to the Labour Party, they, they spent a lot of years in the political wilderness in Scotland and think it's be churlish to do anything other than, than congratulate um, the part, the party, and indeed the candidate uh, Michael on becoming MP, uh, it was a drubbing, and uh, I think uh, the response from the SNP is one that, as an advisor, I'd advise. Oh, it was difficult circumstances. Margaret Ferrier, the incumbent, and obviously her uh, misdemeanours with COVID, and 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 of course the police investigation. It was tough contextually for the party. Now that's fine as a presentation line, but clearly the scale of the defeat means that they're going to have to do a lot of thinking, uh, internal reflection. Perhaps we'll come to that shortly in the uh, conversation. The second observation I had, and it was one that I came up the, uh, I had when I was coming up the train, rather hungover this morning, and I was thinking about a lot of the MSPs and the MPs that were responding on Twitter or in the media. And it suddenly struck me that a lot of these people have never tasted defeat before for the SNP. 
and this is the first time uh, that they've really had to suffer a reversal of this magnitude. And that's when you find out who you are as a party. And, and the most interesting thing for me is going to be how they collectively respond. Uh, so that's the second thing that I think we're going to uh, discuss shortly as well, how they respond. Um, and the third thing, I think, for me, observation is the centre ground of politics. I think the result basically tells us that soft SNP voters, independence voters, are happy to lend their votes to Labour. And I'm pretty sure that when further analysis is done, that this is very much the centre ground aspirational voters that the SNP have been so successful in attracting since 2007. And I believe that should be a source of concern for the party moving forward as well. Really interesting. And just to add to that, there's a suggestion in some new polling this evening that says that there is still, you know, a kind of pretty steady level of support for Scottish independence. This is a report from the Tony Blair Institute that's being reported this evening. But just to add to your point, Jeff, so that support for independence is still there, but this by-election perhaps demonstrates exactly that point, that the support for independence is there, but it's not being connected to support with for the SNP. Um, which is something that's come up on the podcast as well before. And there is opportunity and risk in there for both the SNP and Labour. Labour need to be conscious of that, that there is still a very strong and robust independence vote. And they need to think about that in terms of how they play their next steps. And for the SNP, clearly there's still opportunity because they think, they should think, that they could be able to attract these voters back. And they may well do, uh, depending on the, the, the course of action that they adopt. Sorry, I, I interrupted you, Andy. No, no, not at all. Let's get Andy's sort of broad thoughts on the result, which, you know, you there's no You didn't get a chance to interrupt me. I hadn't, I hadn't started yet. <laughs> it was a huge... Yeah, I mean, I know you would have interrupted me even if I had started, but it was fine. <laughs> um, there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on here last night. Just on, on the fight, on the point you just made there about independent support. Independent support is high. 47, 48% in every single poll. Um, but there's no... Although support is as, as, as consistently high as it has been for a long time, the mechanism to achieve independence is as far away as it has been for a long time as well. So um, there are, I think, large groups of people who are still in favour of Scottish independence, but who realise at the same time that it's in the long, longest of long grasses at the moment. There is no mechanism to achieve it, and we are probably about to get into a situation where the Scottish Parliament, over the next few years, may very well not have a nationalist majority, so won't even be asking for a referendum. So, I mean, I think there's that interesting juxtaposition, uh, and as Jeff says, they're prepared to vote Labour, and they'll be prepared to vote Labour in even larger numbers if Labour come up with some sort of offer on the Constitution, which I think is the missing piece of their puzzle. But that's, I suppose, a slight um, aside, and maybe for a... Uh, a wee bit more of a discussion later on. Um, I think that what we saw last night was the first time that actual voters have had the chance to confirm what I think in reality we already know, which is that we have now moved into a different phase of devolution. Um, we Devolution is 24 years old. And you can split it in two right now. The first 12 years from 99 to 2011, independence was not an issue. 
for the next 12 years, from 2011 to right now in 2023, independence was the only issue. And I think that last night was the first time that we actually saw voters telling us that they are moving away from that now. Because what we saw for the first time since the independence referendum was the mutually assured destruction that exists between the SNP and the Tories starting to unravel. Um, it's the first time the Tories and the SNP have not managed to place independence as the key issue that motivates voters. So the Tories and the SNP both need each other. They are desperate for each other. The Tories need a strong SNP because they need the spectre of independence to be front and centre so that they can be the strongest unionists opposing it. And the SNP need a strong Tory party. They need the Tory party in government in Westminster because they need to be able to say the only way to escape Tories is through Scottish independence and not through any other means. And what we saw last night was the first time since the referendum that the voters have said, that's not what's motivating me anymore. I've got other stuff on my mind now. And you can't persuade me that that is any longer the biggest issue that I've got to focus on. So I think from that point of view, um, I don't think it, I, I don't think last night was a surprise, right? I think last night was maybe a little bit higher Labour vote than we might have expected, but it was pretty much what you would expect a by-election to do in the current climate last night. But I think what it has done is it has given validity to the theory that many of us have held for quite some time, which is that we are now moving into a new phase here. And it's a new phase where the SNP and the Tories can't um, play the game that they were both uh, so invested in playing over the last few years. Now, so Andy, I know what's Andy, just about Andy, to happen. Andy, I know what you're going to say. And Andy, I'm ready for you. No, on you go, because I'm ready for you. I know what you're going to say. I'm going to go on Andy, mute. Andy, I'm going to let Andy. you waffle. And then I'm going to come back, because I know what you're about to say to me. <laughs> So, 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 Andy, you know, you're talking about this marking a new phase in devolution, a seminal moment in Scottish politics. And yet, just a few weeks ago on this podcast, you said to me that these by-elections don't matter. So are you still of the view that they don't matter? Is that your question finished? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I am of exactly the same view as I was before, which is that in a week's time, we'll be talking about a variety of things that have changed, but the actual by-elections themselves are very short-lived in the news cycle, which is what I was saying before. Very, very short-lived in the news cycle. All the by-election has done is it has confirmed to us what the polls were saying and what we knew, which is that we are moving into this new phase where uh, constitution is not such a big issue and where the Tories and the SNP are going to really struggle with their narrative of saying independence is right around the corner because nobody thinks it is anymore. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm going to try and accept that revisionist <laughs> Um, argument because that's not exactly what I remember you saying a couple of weeks ago but but I think the point is this you're, you're absolutely right the by-election is a static thing will not necessarily be talked about that much going forward I'm sure Labour will try and take every opportunity they can to talk about it for as long as they can but um, I think that the importance of it is what it catalyzes and what happens next uh, particularly within the SNP and how they respond to that as I said earlier now, if I'm Hamza Youssef, 
right now. Um, I, I know that I've given my excuses and the, the, the troubling context and the challenging context, but deep down I must be extremely concerned uh, that I'm going to lose uh, uh, the next election, which as we've said also on this podcast before, that if you have a mandate uh, for independence as your big pitch to the people and that defect, de facto plurality of seats, and that means we're going to ne- negotiate um, with Westminster for independence and you lose it, you've lost your mandate and I don't think he can continue. That's the stakes here, they're that high. So he will be hugely concerned. And I do think, uh, Callum, uh, uh, where where the SNP go now is absolutely crucial because I don't think continuity is going to cut it any longer to coin a phrase. I think there has to be a change in direction. So on that then, let's consider what Hamza Yusuf has said post-by-election, which is that it was a disappointing night for the SNP, Uh, he's blamed reckless actions of Margaret Ferrier and the police investigations into the SNP's finances as playing a part in the poor result. He says the party are going to reflect, regroup and reorganise and bounce back stronger. And here's the quote, the buck does absolutely stop with me, but I think everybody knows this particular by-election had some very difficult contextual factors around it. So that's what Hamza Yusuf has said, and I clocked this from Alex Salmond speaking on Times Radio today. I will go as far as to say I think Hamza Yusuf has days in which to save his first ministership. I mean for reasons which are very difficult to understand. He put his personal authority in this by-election and has now suffered the most stunning of reverses. So putting all of that together, Jeff, what, what realistically can Hamza Yusuf do from here? Well, let me deal with uh, my former boss's comments first. <laughs> oh, you might want to. He's something else, really. I think he's obviously trying to uh, cause a stushy, um, as he uh, always tends to do uh, pretty uh, pretty well. I, I, I understand. I, I do see there is truth in what he says. How, how Hamza deals with this in the coming days is very important. I don't think we're at this stage quite yet uh, of this being um, fatal for uh, the First Minister's um, uh, uh, time in office. But if I'm thinking, right, what do I need to do here? And if I was there, you know, I'm thinking, right, I need to try and bring the party back together first and foremost. We've seen with Fergus Ewing the internal uh, 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 internal difficulties and uh, and divisions that have been uh, there for us all to see. We know about the Greens uh, uh, being co- a cause of some consternation. Well, first and foremost, on the, the party thing, I'd move heaven and earth to try and get Kate Forbes back into government in a senior role and offer her uh, basically whatever position wanted she wanted, whether that was Deputy First Minister, whether that was um, Finance Secretary again or with a special role to develop the economic case for independence, whatever it is, whatever it takes, I'd get her back in because that in itself would give a sense of the team coming back together. Uh, Secondly, uh, I mentioned the centre ground of politics earlier on. I do think we need to have some policies that seek to try and counter Labour's move into this direction. And so during this campaign, uh, it's been a hell of a long campaign, incidentally, but, uh, you know, during that period, Labour have said that they would, you know, um, not increase uh, income tax rises at a time where uh, we're in a cost of living crisis and impose those costs on 
to families that are hard pushed just now. Again, that is a direct pitch for the centre ground. How does the SNP respond to that? It's just one example, but I think the public policy platform that we have seen from the SNP of late, and to be fair to Hamza, he has inherited a lot of this, has been on issues where, amazingly, public opinion has not been in favour of them. You know, and polling has shown that. And I think whatever your your views on the individual policies, if the perception is that you're going against public opinion, that ain't a great place to be. It's a very dangerous place to be in politics. So I think we need to see from Hamza, and next week's a great opportunity, incidentally, because it's the SNP conference, to provide that reset, to have that point of departure and move forward and say, OK, this is what we are going to do. This is what we're going to pursue. I think the conference next week is going to be hugely significant in terms of uh, how the SNP respond to this and if they can respond to it successfully and regain some of the lost ground. You know, I, I, I agree with Jeff next week and the conference is going to be really interesting. And I, don't, I, I also agree with Jeff on a lot of what he's just said there. I mean, the... The SNP's gradual drift to the left, um, which was followed by, frankly, a sprint to the left when it went into coalition with the Green Party, is electorally suicidal, right? That's just not where you win elections from. It's just not. Um, And Scotland isn't any different from anywhere else in that respect. So that has always been poor uh, long-term strategy. Where I'm not sure... um, I was going to say I'm not sure I agree with Jeff, but to be fair, I don't think Jeff's necessarily making this point. Where, I, where I'm dubious about the um, the potential for change is that I don't really know if the people who are in charge of the SNP get this. I'm just not sure they get it, to be honest. You, when you've been in government for so long, uh, and I've seen it with the Tories as well, and we saw it with Labour um in Scotland up to 2007 when you've been in government for that long you lose your ability to understand that you're making mistakes you lose your ability to understand that you're even capable of making mistakes because you are so absolutely certain of your own virtue um, and this is not an SNP problem this is a this is something that happens to long term governments who are nearing the end of their time in power Um, They become so certain of themselves, they become so insular, they stop talking to people, um, and it becomes dubious, I think, whether or not they actually diagnose the problems that they have. Are they sitting there right now saying, yeah, I think, you know, we've seen this coming, or are they just saying, it was just because of Margaret Ferrier and the police investigation? Mm. I, I don't know what the answer is. But I think it's a valid question to ask because I'm not at all convinced that they will be reflective enough to understand what's going on here. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hollywood Sources is proud to be brought to you by the Scotch Whiskey Association's Made to Be Measured campaign. Did you know that the recommended weekly limit of 14 units of alcohol equates to five pints of beer at average strength, or one and a half bottles of wine, or 14 single measures of spirits? If you didn't know that, well, you're not alone, actually. The majority of people who choose to drink alcohol do not know how many units are contained in the most common drinks. Informed consumers, though, make more responsible choices – And so the Made to be Measured campaign is supporting people across Scotland to understand more about the units in their glass. Made in Scotland and enjoyed around the world, Scotch whisky should always be enjoyed responsibly. Find out more by visiting scotch-whisky.org.uk forward slash made to be measured. Callum, I noticed you um, from the Holyrood Sources uh, Twitter account reposted my section of the interview with him where uh, with pop with hums up uh, when yeah. we did the live podcast yeah and and uh, where i i kind of said look <laughs> this happened before you were in charge but let's just have a look at the by-elections from the period before the local by-elections that is in different areas and parts of the country and those that have happened since you've taken office and all of them showed quite a significant percentage swing against the smp and so I don't. I can't imagine that this could have been coming as a shock to the to the SNP. I, I, I would, you know, these these are real people going in to put their cross next to a favoured candidate, and it wasn't the SNP by and large. So that is the alarm bells going off for me. And you can cut it any way you like. And there's all this from some quarters. Let me put it that way. A lot of denial on all those. And I used to get quite a lot of uh, pushback on Twitter. People saying, oh, the, there's local issues here. It's not. A, it's just a local by-election. It's not a big deal. But, but I've been in politics and, and I've seen how there is a symmetry between how people, you know, not all the time, there are exceptions to the rule, but how they vote in local by-elections and then how they eventually vote in um, uh, national elections. Now, I know that turnout was down here and, and there is an impact, there is a fact that SNP voters, did they turn out in Rutherglen? But I'd be asking the question, why did they no turn out? Mm. Instead of saying, oh, it's because it was really difficult and contextual and all the rest of it, say, well, actually, what do we need to do to get them out then going forward? And that's why I think the conference is so important. But to I, I ask you the question, Andy, you, you, something you raised there about the Greens, would you... Um, and not not accepting whether it will happen or not, I think we probably agree on that that it might be unlikely. But would you use this opportunity to say, either we're finishing the green relationship, or we have to renegotiate it so it looks like we're in charge of this particular uh, agreement uh, coalition deal? If I was them, I would just end it. I would just end it. There are I just don't see where the benefits are to the SNP in this. I mean, you know, I can absolutely see where it makes their life easier inside the parliament. Done that, that's all fine. You know, they get that. Nobody loses their job and they pass all their budgets and that's fine. But out in the country, I just don't see how it is getting them a single extra vote. It is all cost and no benefit. And I would absolutely, 100%, I would 
end it right now. Um, now, you know, it wouldn't have started from here. Didn't think it was a good idea for them to go into this uh, agreement in the first place. I thought it was unnecessary. I thought it was unwise. I thought it was desperate. Um, uh, so I wouldn't have done it in the first place. But yeah, I mean, I absolutely do. I, I, I think they should end it. But I don't think, incidentally, if you said to me, right, you know, gun to the head, what's going to happen? My answer is, I think nothing's going to happen. Nothing. I don't think there's going to be any change. I don't think there's going to be a reshuffle. I don't think Kate Forbes will be back in. I don't think the Green Coalition is going to be renegotiated or come to an end. I think what's going to happen is absolutely nothing. I think it will be business as usual. Can I throw something in the mix here, just as a wee bit of maybe it's a, uh, to be quite controversial? Um, do you remember when Fergus was suspended, Fergus Ewing was suspended, and there was a lot of speculation about whether he would resign his seat and stand as an independent? Um, and we've also got the situation with Lisa Cameron and East Kilbride, not a million miles from Rutherglen. Um, I have no insight in this, incidentally, but you know, I did also cross my mind coming up the road today. Again, another hungover thought, so it might not be worth uh, anything. But could you, you know, if nothing happens and there isn't that significant change, could you imagine if there was two by-elections called? I'm not entirely convinced the SNP are going to beat Fergus Ewing in Inverness, and I'm. I don't think we, any of us would be particularly confident the SNP holding on to East Kilbride, given what we've just seen next door in Rutherglen. And that could be a major catalyst. You know, lose one, okay, you can just about get by, and, you know, and I think that's fair enough. Two or three, three strikes, you may well be out. Mm. And I just wonder if that's one for us to look at as we move forward. Well, give us your... So tell us then, Jeff, because that is, like, for a political junkie, that's obviously delicious. Um, but give us your insight into that. So, fantasy by-election, right? Fergus resigns, forces a by-election. He stands as an independent, an SNP person stands against him, and the other parties all stand as well, in a normal fashion. What? Who wins? I mean, and how certain are you of that mm. winner? Well, I, I'm, I, I cannot see anything other than a Fergus Ewing victory. Um, wow. I mean, he is hugely respected uh, up, up there. Uh, there is uh, a lot of dismay amongst the public, uh, which, you know, Fergus Ewing himself individually has tried to stem um, and because of the A9 and the A96. We've covered that at length and we covered it even in the, the, the Hamza podcast. Yeah. And I think if he pitched his tent on that ground and that territory and, and on HPMAs and protecting our fishing communities and rural communities and getting the A9 dual... You know, I just don't think I can see any other winner than Fergus. So let uh, me ask another I, question then. Sorry, yeah. Callum, doing your job here. No, um, no. Because this, no, this, this is quite interesting, right? So um, it, within the SNP then, Jeff, talk us through what happens to the SNP family if Winnie Ewing's son stands against the SNP at an election. What, what is I, that? I mean, word. as you're saying it, you know, it's as you're saying it, 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 it's, it just strikes you as being so profound and so ridiculous. Mm. Um, but, you know, um, I, I think that's where the party would divide further um, and it would cause even more 
eruptions, uh, to be honest with you. And that's why I think, again, if I were, as we're saying, what should Hamza and his team do? I'd be trying my hardest to avoid that from happening because mm. I, I don't think uh, the SNP would benefit um, one bit from that. I think it could be potentially hugely damaging. We'll come to Labour and the Conservatives in a sec, but actually just on a, on a kind of related point with, you know, just the internal operation of the SNP, etc. Um, I want to ask about Mary Black, um, who apparently, Hollywood uh, magazine reporting today, that Mary Black threatened to quit the night before the by-election. Um, it was an ultimatum about um, an SNP staffer. Uh, party bosses are said to have caved into demands from the SNP. Uh, I'm, report- I'm reading this from Kirstein Patterson's report in Holyrood magazine. Uh, the row is said to have emerged as Mary Black fought to have one of her staff members approved as a potential candidate to fight for the Paisley and Renfrewshire South seat when she steps down at the next general election. Uh, this SNP councillor, Robert Innes, has worked for her for around 10 years, uh, said to have failed vetting for the general election before his boss then stepped in. Holyrood made several approaches, multiple approaches to the MP's office. No reply has been received. What on earth is this about? When we talk about party discipline, what is going on here? Yeah, I mean, your last point there, Callum, is the one that I reflected on. People always talk about the, the, the iron discipline we had in the SNP, particularly through when I was there, and indeed, obviously, through Nicola Sturgeon's years and 10 years First Minister. And so, you know, I've also often qualified that by saying, yeah, it wasn't always like that internally we had a lot of mm. you know discussions fallouts disputes but externally we always presented a united front or more often than not and to see stories like this it's just flabbergasting to be honest with you for me it's like so alien to me to see stories like this um, even be mooted now the critical part of this story is we we haven't had the response yet from from Mary Black's office or indeed I don't think yet, or from the SNP either, and so I don't want to speculate too much on it, um, other than to say it's it's very unhelpful, um, uh, particularly for Hamza. And I do feel for Hamza on this one because that's madness, really. Uh, and to have somebody potentially threatening, and we say potentially because we don't know the ins and outs of this yet, to resign on the eve of a by-election is is, is spells real problems uh, for the party, not just its discipline, but the party unity going forward. Unbelievable. Um, interesting as well, just to note that several senior sources told Holyrood uh, that Mary Black had effectively blackmailed the party. Um, but yes, we await kind of official responses, I suppose, from her, from the SNP, etc., and all of that. Uh, right, we've got a few minutes left then just to analyse, um, just in, in terms of that sort of overarching question, I suppose, where things go from here. And we have to consider Labour and the Conservatives in all of this as well. Andy, should we start with the Conservatives just to, <laughs> I mean, this is the nicest possible way, but to get them out of the way, because I feel like Labour's going to be a kind of bigger conversation <laughs> about what happens next. Um, but I want to I use um, Professor Sir John Curtis uh, as the kind of launch pad for the Conservative part of this discussion, uh, because he sort of makes the point that actually um, they didn't have a particularly good night either. The party's vote fell by 11 points to 4%. That's the part of the Conservative Party's worst by-election results in Scotland in 
30 years. Um, John Curtis says uh, the Conservatives are suffering from Partygate fallout from the Liz Truss fiscal event of, what, about a year ago. Uh, the only reason why the party might, nevertheless, still hang on to its half-dozen seats north of the border is that its challenger in those seats is the equally beleaguered SNP and not Labour, is what Professor Sir John Curtis says. So, Andy McKeever, what's your take? I agree with bits of what John is saying. I don't actually agree that it's really particularly about Partygate or the mini-budget. I think this is a trend. Um, the the, the story is not going to be about the Tories over the next few days and I'll tell you something, they're bloody lucky that it's not going to be about the Tories because this was a shocker for them it was an absolute shocker if you look at the number of votes not the percentages but the actual number of votes obviously a massively reduced turnout right? but Labour got around about the same actual number of votes as they got the last time, obviously percentage was massively higher um, but they got about the same number of votes the SNP got about a third of their votes from last time and the Lib Dems got about a third of their votes from last time. The Tories got an eighth, one eighth, one in every eight votes from 2019 is what they got last night. That was a shocking, shocking result. And it was a good candidate. This guy's a local councillor in Glasgow. He's quite well liked. He's quite well respected. Um, and it, so it was not the candidate. This was, this was the party. Um, now, today, it's all the usual, you know, we got squeezed in a two-horse race and all that sort of stuff. And all of that's fine. No doubt that's true. A lot of people will have voted Labour because it was clear they were the only opposition to the SNP. But parties that are on the up don't get squeezed. Parties that are on the up are the ones that do the squeezing. Um, and this fundamentally is the problem for the Tories, as I mentioned it before. As soon, Bear in mind that the last seven national elections have been fought by the Tories on exactly the same platform. It was a single-issue campaign vote for us to stop in their F2. Once you take that off the table, what that does is it exposes who are Tories and who are unionists. And it shows that the Tory vote of the last seven or eight years has been massively supplanted by people who are not Conservatives, but who are staunch unionists and who've been voting for the party they think is most likely to stop in their F2. And now that they are watching the prospect of Keir Starmer walking into Downing Street, they have left the Tories and they're not going back. Now, where John Curtis is right, the Tories are going to do fine at this next election because of the distribution in the vote share. They're going to hold on to their six seats. They might even get one or two more, but they're going to do it on a vote share that's six, seven, eight points down from where they were before. And all that is doing is, I mean, they're on death row here. All it's doing is saving up the pain for 2026 at Holyrood. And I think, you know, if I was a Tory strategist looking at these votes last night and looking at uh, what happened last night, I'd be going, we've got big problems here. I, that, I, Andy, I think that's it's good analysis, right? But but clearly this was tactical voting as well. And we saw that in the last Holyrood election. And in a contest where... Rushi is labouring behind, excuse the pun, <laughs> labouring behind uh, the Tories by 20-odd points across the UK. You know, uh, if they do hold on to six seats and maybe take one, as you say, then um, that's a good result for them in this context. And then with a Labour government uh, empire, they can maybe grow from there. And that's the real moment that they need to uh, adopt uh, a refreshed strategy. 
Um, because I, I agree with Sir John. I, I mean, in the northeast where they've got a, a couple of seats just now, I don't see them losing in this context currently. And things can change, obviously. And, and we've been talking a lot about the need for change from the SNP. But because the principal opponents of the SNP, I can't see them doing anything else than holding on to what they've got there. Could they take one in Gordon? I think there was a poll out earlier on that saying that they... They might. I think that's a stretch, but they could. And I think they'll hold on to their border seats. And, and the evidence of this, of course, is and going back to these local by-elections. And there was one in Ayrshire or East Ayrshire recently, and the, the Tories had a huge result there. So I think there is tactical voting going on. And I don't think the Tories necessarily would be too disappointed in this context with that. Had they been uh, uh, with a Labour administration at Westminster... I can see them being disappointed with that. But the fact they are in the fag end, potentially, of the, the, the UK government uh, as it is, then I think they're going to be quite pleased with that, in all honesty. Yeah, but, but bear in mind, Jeff, as soon as the Labour administration in London, that the, the psyche of a Tory voter and the psyche of the Tory party, that doesn't mean that doesn't give them an opportunity to do things differently and attract more votes up here. That's a problem for the Scottish Tory party. Because as soon as Labour walk into Downing Street, they're devenomizing the snake. The Tory party can't then do what they've been doing for the last seven or eight years and saying, we can fix everything, vote for us and we can stop this. They can't do that anymore because they're not in power anymore. And again, I go right back to the thing I said at the start of the podcast. It's the same problem for the SNP. Because as soon as Starmer walks into number 10, he's devenomizing that snake at the same time. Because the SNP can't then say the only way to get rid of the Tories is to vote for independence. So two strategies dead at the same time. That's why it's so important who actually wins the general election next year. It's going to be a... Ma- you, you can't possibly predict the outcome of the 2026 Scottish election without knowing what the outcome of the 2024 general election is because it's probably the biggest driver of 2026 is the identity of the person walking into Downing Street next year. Mm. It's a very fair rebuttal and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll just let that lie, in all honesty. I think I've made my point on by-elections being important. I've got the upper hand there. I'll give you that one. You're only letting it lie because you've got a hangover. He's wanting off for his curry. Right, just a final one, a final point uh, from John Curtis, just on Labour. Uh, and we can just very briefly just to end the podcast episode because it was really really good post-batch analysis this so John Curtis saying if this 20% swing from the SNP to Labour were to be replicated across Scotland as a whole Labour could find itself with 40 seats the SNP would re- be reduced to half a dozen such an outcome would almost exactly match the outcome of the 2010 election and I suppose my question is is how precarious is that for the Labour Party how careful do they need to be in terms of how they build from this by-election from here on out. Jeff. Yeah, I... Actually, we covered this in our Chatham House Rule discussion last night, and I... I, I Listen, this is a great win for Labour, and the, and the right to take a lot of confidence from it and make a lot of noise, and, you know, who wouldn't in their uh, situation. But I still feel that the Labour Party have to tell us more about what they're going to do. Um, and I, I, I don't necessarily think Keir Starmer himself is a firebrand by any stretch. He's not Tony Blair. It isn't a a, a 97-type style election. Um, it certainly isn't yet. We, we'll see what it transpires into. 
and we still don't have that policy platform from him. And I, and I think we know now a lot more about how Sunak's going to play this election. You know, he's going, you know, in his net zero speech and in his conference speech this week, he's trying to play to that common sense, pragmatic approach down the middle. And it's offending a lot of people and some of the policies offend me. But surely they focus group that pretty heavily and they think that there's a vein to be um, pursued uh, there. And, and I just haven't seen anything yet serious from the Labour Party, apart from all the things that they wouldn't necessarily do or trying to place some of their policy positions into further nuance or context. And so I, I wouldn't say it's precarious because he's in, he's in the box seat right now, mm, mm. but I certainly don't think it's uh, guaranteed um, and I do think, you know, and in and, and, and responding to this, you know, this by-election, I do think we have to, you know, call somewhat. You know, uh, it is a disastrous result for the SNP, but Labour's still got a lot of work to do to translate last night across Scotland. And it'll be fascinating to see how Starmer and Sarwar um, pursue their agenda going forward. Andy. Yeah, I've only really got two things to say on that. One, it is totally stupid to extrapolate by-election results and say that's therefore what's going to happen in a general election. I mean, it's like me going golfing tomorrow, birdieing the first and saying, if I extrapolate that for the rest of my round, I'm going to shoot 54, right? It's It's a stupid thing to do. It means absolutely nothing. So I wouldn't pay any attention to it whatsoever. Um, the second thing I would say is that, uh, The same is true today as it was yesterday, as it was last year. If Labour want to get these soft nationalists voting Labour in greater and greater and greater numbers, they are going to have to say something about devolution and what their version of the union is going to look like. Unless they do that, they are not going to win. Andy McKeever and Jeff Aberdeen, thank you both very, very much indeed. Uh, that is what you get from Hollywood Sources every single week on this podcast. Thank you for listening. Share your thoughts as well on the by-election result and where things go from here. You can email us anytime. The email address is hello at hollywoodsources.com. And we look forward to speaking to you again next week. Hold up. 